Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. And if that is too much for you, we kind of break it down shorthand and we say we live, we love, we serve. And I just want to bring to you again um, verses 59 and 60. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, give the dead to but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to worship God. And we are thankful for the word that is about to come forth. Not because it comes from me or any other vessel, God, but because of your ability to speak to each and every one of us so specifically in a universal word, God. So today, prick, prick each and every individual's heart. Speak to them as only they know so that they know so clearly that it is your voice beckoning them, speaking to them. Let them not be concerned with the messenger, but only what you wish to say to them today, God. There is something that each and every one of us can glean from every single word that we hear, God. So we are grateful. We are grateful in advance for whatever transformation is going to take place, whatever healing is going to take place, whatever is on the other side of this word, God, we welcome it and we say thank you in advance. We love you, God. We are grateful and we say amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 I am going to make a statement that may not be true for all of us, but I believe is true for most of us, myself included. And that is that we as human beings have difficulty with ambiguity. We don't know. We don't like not knowing the answers to questions. We don't like not knowing what is happening around us. We don't like living in the gray and liminal spaces of our lives. We do not like ambiguity. And though we all may have our reasons for why we don't like not to know, really it comes down to one thing for most of us, and that is control. Now, control kind of gets a negative connotation from time to time. I mean, the word in and of itself just means that we have the power to influence people, including ourselves, or the direct behavior or cause of effects. So really just the ability to kind of cause the things in our lives to move a particular type of way. But sometimes because of how we've seen people use control, we don't always like that word, and we don't like it to be, you know, put on us. But the reality is that we are all really about control. 
Not because we're coming from a negative place, but because we like to know how our lives are going to be ordered. We like to know what is happening and what is going on. And control is a way to do that. And when you break that down even further, what control is really about is something that we sang in our sermonic song. And it's about safety. We want to know that we are safe as we are journeying through this life. And we sometimes feel that the more information that we have, the more that we can make certain um, kind of decisions, the more that we have before us, before moving, that that kind of ensures some safety. And even though we know that really there are things that are all over that are out of our control, we can't control the weather, we can't control how people act, we can't control all these things, it doesn't stop us from still trying to get as much as we can within our control. And one of the ways that I noticed that control kind of shows up a lot or this ability, um, this lack of ambiguity that we don't like is in our relationships, in our relationships with people. Um, I am a person that used to like, like many people, closure. Closure. I am that person. If we gonna break up and we not gonna go together anymore, I want to sit down and have a conversation and know why. I want you to say what you gotta say. I wanna say what I gotta say. I wanna ask the questions. If we breaking up as friends, I still want to know why. What did I do? Did I not pick you up on time? You know, why is this happening? And even in our familial relationships, some of us, I know I didn't grow up with my father. And one of the things that kind of lingered for me for so many years was wanting to know why. And be able to be able to have that conversation that would kind of alleviate some of my questions because some of us feel like with closure, it gives us the ability to move on. And we know how to move forward when we have that closure. The danger of that is that if we are not careful, closure becomes a prerequisite for us moving forward. Then we require it in order for us to move forward. And when we don't get it in situations and spaces and places in our life, we can find ourselves lockstep with the past, refu refusing to move with an inability to move forward because the reality is that many of us don't like to leave things undone. We don't like to leave things undone. And you know, that word leave is interesting. It's interesting because it has two meanings that mean the complete opposite of one another because one definition of leave means to go away from, but the other definition of leave means to remain and to not disturb something. The same word means to go away from, but also to leave and remain and not disturb. And if we think about it in our own lives, we are often in tension about what we need to go away from and what we need to let leave, remain, and stay. And we're often confused about that over and over again. So I think that it's no accident that in the Bible, the word leave, stay, or any version of that is only hundred or so odd times. But the word go is mentioned more than 1,500 times in the Bible. Leave a hundred or so times. Go 1,500 different times in the Bible. And what I have found, amen, he's saying amen with that scream, yes. What I have found is that often our leaving places and spaces and things interferes with our going. Our leaving interferes with our going. The reality is that both have a meaning of moving us from one place to another. But again, it's that connotation of what it means. Leaving keeps us rooted in our past. 
while going helps us move forward into the future. Leaving is us looking back on all the things that we may lose and don't have, while going beckons us into a future that may be brighter, that may be greater, but it also might be scary. It might be scary. So let's slow walk and think about this text for today in Luke. We encounter three different individuals who are on the cusp of consideration of their call. They're on the cusp of consideration of their call. That just means that they are on the precipice, on the brink of considering a new life that is ahead of them. Three individuals. We're going to really only mostly deal with the second individual, but let me go ahead and highlight the other two. The first tells Jesus, I will follow you. And as if understanding that he or she doesn't understand all that it takes, Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It may not be speaking logically that Jesus was homeless, even though that may have been the case with Jesus going, you know, Jesus literally bouncing around from place to place in his public ministry, but really that this call that you are saying that you will follow me into is one of discomfort. It's one of not knowing what's going to happen and not knowing what's next. So be careful what you are volunteering to be a part of, because I'm not quite sure you understand the cost of this discipleship. I don't know that you don't quite understand that this is not cheap grace. This is not something that is easily acquired, but this requires much more than you ever thought or imagined. And then we have the third person who, again, volunteers. Hey, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me first go ahead and let my friends know, and then I will know. And then Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow, then looks back, is fit for the kingdom. And these are the only two times in the Bible where someone offers up to follow Jesus. Every other time you have Jesus making this invitation to an individual to follow me. And that is what we have in the case of this this second individual who says, Jesus says, follow me, follow me. And that can only be enticing to someone who is looking for something more. And can you imagine it? Jesus standing in front of you saying, follow me understanding who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing at the time, that there were throngs of people that were, you know, following Jesus, that his stories of miracles and healing and all that he was doing was going from town to town. And there was often a buzz before Jesus even arrived at a place and not just him, but what his disciples were able to do. The fact that they were able to cast out demons, that people could walk through Peter's shadow and get healed. So Jesus saying, follow me and be a part of this. Wow, how amazing to be part of something that you're calling me into this thing that I never thought that I could have or imagine. And in our lives, we all might get to that point where we feel like God is beckoning us into something greater. Come with me, follow me into this new life. Follow me into this thing that you never thought that you could have. Follow me into what is next. And we are excited. And in our minds, we have begun to, we've begun to line it up. We're thinking about it. We're seeing ourselves in the future. We see ourselves moving forward. We are like, yes, we are ready to do this. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been looking for. We are ready to go with you. And then we go to take that first step, which can be a little shaky if you're in heels. And before we make that first step, we look back. 
Jesus says, follow me. And you know what our response is? But first. But first, let me handle all of these things. But first, let me go back here and make sure that everything is okay. But first, let me tend to these other things before I step into the future. And it's interesting because, you know, I've heard some people say that Jesus's response is pretty harsh because with the man requests, he says, hey, you know, I'll follow you, but let me first go back and bury my father. And what you understand, if you understand anything about Judaism, is that when somebody passes, they want to bury the person in the first 24 hours so that the reality is that if his father was in fact dying or on his deathbed, that he's basically saying, hey, Jesus, give me a day and then I'll come back to you. And when Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, it's kind of like, really, Jesus? But I think that Jesus understood our propensity as human beings to go back to dead spaces, places, and situations. And we say we're going to be there for a day, but a day turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into a year. And then we look up wondering where our lives were because we wanted to go back and handle something that was a dead place or space. And so the death is not necessarily just um, a physical person, but we know what it's like to go to places that we know are dead. But we go back to them and we say that our reasoning is noble and it's a good reason. But oftentimes the reality of the situation is that we want to go back as a procrastination tool. We want to go back because it is an excuse for us not to move into this thing that we don't know. We rather choose the easy death than the difficult life. And so we rather go back to the dead places and spaces because at least we understand it. At least we know that stench. At least we know what to expect. At least we know what the decrepit body looks like. But this life thing that you're asking me about that I have never been in. I don't know anything about that. And so I will go back to the dead thing. And eventually, I hope that when I come around to it and I am ready, that you will still be there waiting for me. And so that is why Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that. And the same reason why Jesus responds to the friend, let me just go back and say goodbye to my friend. But if your friends are really friends, you don't need to go back and say goodbye because your friends are going to be your friends no matter what, right? But the reality is, no, sometimes we want to go talk to our friends because we want confirmation or affirmation of the life we're choosing. You know, I'm about to go follow Jesus. I don't know. No, I don't know how I'm going to eat. No, we don't know where we're going. No, we don't know where we're going to sleep. But I, I mean, I want to go. And you want your friend to talk you out of the thing. Or you want your friend to confirm it. Yes, that is it. Yes, spirit told me. And then God jumped into me. And then the angel also appeared to me on my shoulder and told me that it was okay for you to go. Because often we are not comfortable with just standing in place by ourselves on a word. On what is in our spirit. Especially if it looks counter to what the norm is. Because who really leaves their family to follow Jesus? That's not really God. That can't be God because we like to put God in a box, right? So we decide what is really God and what really isn't God. So if it doesn't look or feel like the God that we know and understand, then we're that's not. God would never tell me to just pick up and go. God would never tell me to leave. How can I do that? 
And so because we're limiting God, we're limiting our selves, we blame that on other people and we scapegoat on that. Oh, I'm going to just go bury my father or I'm just going to go say goodbye to our friends. But really it is about where we are positioned and where we are positioned is in a place of fear. We are positioned in a place where we are more concerned with the leaving than the going. And you can't want the life ahead without the willingness to let some things leave, to let some things be undone. You can't go without be willing to leave. And if we're honest about that, the reality is that for some of us, that costs too much. It costs too much because we're not going to sit here and pretend that every time we knew that we were supposed to go and do a thing or try a new thing or leave a place or a space that we did, even though we knew it was what God was showing and offering us. No, 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 no. For some of us, that cost at that point was too high. We knew it was valuable. We knew that it would offer us new life. But really at this time, I can't do that, God. I can't make that decision. It costs too much. So we won't sit in and pretend like all of us just go into the light with Jesus or go and say, we don't do that. A lot of us turn back and we go back. And I'm reminded of the story of Lot and his wife. And Lot, you know, uh, they say, you know, God says, get out the city. We're about to burn down Sodom and Gomorrah. Not for the reason y'all think y'all need to read that story again, but we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, don't look back. God says, don't look back. So Lot and his wife are going along. And what does uh, Lot's wife do? She turns around and she turns into a pillar of salt. And then she is stuck in that place because she was concerned with what was behind her instead of what was ahead of her. And so that is why Jesus says to that third man, no person who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Because when you are plowing, where your head goes, the rest of the plow goes, your body goes. So if I look back... Everything turns. Everything turns. But this is what I also know. What I also know is that even in those times, we go back to dead places and spaces. Even when we go back, we don't go back the same. And I say that because once you have that encounter, once you have that little knowing, once you know that there is something that you're supposed to do, it gnaws at you. It gnaws at you. So even when you go back to that dead place or space because you weren't ready, there is something calling you. You know what it is? It's like we say in our identity statement, that life that you were created to live starts calling you, starts beckoning you. I don't know if any of you have ever been called by a telemarketer and they will find you on your cell phone, at home, when you don't even got a house phone. You ain't even paid your house phone bill in three years, but the telemarketer somehow finds you. They will change numbers. They will keep finding you, hopping out of bushes in Central Park. The telemarketer, when you owe a bill or when you don't owe a bill, will still call you and find you. That is what life is like, your true life, the life that is on the other side of the follow me. It will keep calling you, beckoning you, trying to get something out of you. And it will gnaw at you, whether you're in the dead place or not. So if you are in that space or place, don't fret because you feel it inside your guts. 
that there is something that you're supposed to do, something that God is waiting on you to do, some move that you're supposed to make. And no, it may not make sense to everybody else, so you don't need the affirmation or confirmation of somebody else. No, you don't need to get that degree before you start that business. No, you don't need to do whatever the thing that God is calling you to do or telling you to do because you understand that there are some things that you are equipped with on the onset of something, but there are some things that you only get as you journey on. We don't all get to know all the steps before we move, but what we understand is that if we move, that God is with us. Sometimes we literally have to walk blindly in the dark, and all we have is that follow me. And in the same way that it says, that Jesus says that shepherds will know my voice, all you have in the dark, in the blindness, with nowhere to go or see, is that voice saying, follow me. But that here was enough. It is enough. Is it easy? No. Is it painless? Absolutely not. I wish I could promise that it was, but it is not. But is it worth it? Yes. Yes, it is. And on the other side of this, really what this becomes about is our ability to surrender. Because what some of us don't even always do intentionally is that we get in God's way and we begin begin to play some type of pseudo-God, right? We don't want to leave this place. We want to clear this up. We want to clean this up because we think that we're responsible, that we're supposed to do it. We don't trust that if God is saying to go here, that God is going to also handle this back here. That sometimes we have to lay, remove our hands from things. We have to walk away from some things. We have to go away in our direction towards the kingdom of God. And God can handle this because there's something over here that we can't fix, that we can't clean up, that is beyond our scope, beyond what we can do. But we're so stuck over here trying to be Mr. and Mrs. Fix It that we can't even see God's hand. So we are literally, God is like, I'm going to do it. And we're like, nope, I got it. Nope, I'm okay. I got it. And God is like, move, go, and I will handle this. But that is about surrender. That is about trust. That is about understanding that the same God that loves you loves other people too and will handle and take care of them too. And when you know that and understand that, it makes it easier for you to surrender certain places and spaces and things, knowing that the God that got you got them also. Listen, God's got people that you don't even want God to got. Okay? You're like, can you just take your hand off of that person? Because they are foul, and God's like, nope, got them too. So you don't even have to worry. It says in Matthew, if you know, the birds don't have to worry about with the nest. And I can't remember the scripture right now. And that makes me look like I don't know nothing. But I, y'all know the scripture in Matthew. It says <laughs> that if, <laughs> and I say it all the time. And it's literally, look it up in Matthew. Um, apologies about that. I'm having a brain fart. But that we do not need to worry. And we not, do not need to be anxious for every, anything. Because God is going to be with us. So I don't know who this is for today, but you know, maybe it's not that there is something on the inside of you pulling. And so maybe this portion isn't for you, but if you are that person who knows that there is something that God is calling you to, some places and spaces that you have to go away from, I want to offer up that number one, you change your language. You change your thought process. Don't think about what you're leaving, but think about where you are going. That's number one. And the second thing that I want to offer up is that you don't let your butt firsts interfere with you moving forward. Amen? 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let us go ahead and pray. God, we love you. We honor you and we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who will continue to call us. You will continue to press upon our lives. You will continue to call us into things, God. We don't say that we were called to live the lives we were created to live um, for no reason, God, because that calling is an offering, but we have to be willing to accept it. In the same way that Jesus offers up, follow me, and the people have to be willing to go, we have to be willing to answer the call to the life we were created to live, God. For some of us, that may mean that we are afraid, but we do it anyway. For some of us, that may mean that we don't know all the steps, but we do it anyway. For some of us, that may mean that we are walking into some discomfort that people one may not understand, that we may have to leave some things behind. We may need to leave some things undone, but we do it anyway, knowing, God, that you are with us. And we understand that this is not something that is always easy. Sometimes you have to grin down and bear down and grab white knuckle and go through it anyway. But that is the journey into this life that you have created us to live, God. It's not easy. It's not painless, but it is most certainly worth it, God. And so don't let us be the one who, when the, uh, the opportunity and the invitation to follow you comes up, that we are turning away, God. And even if we do, let us know that we can always leave. We can always go away from, we can always move forward our, um, from, to our future and away from dead spaces, places, and people, knowing that you are journeying with us, God. Thank you for journeying with us. But not only that, thank you, God, for allowing us to be co-creators in our lives, that we are not robots who just sit back and wait for everything to happen, but we have agency, that we have power, more than we could ever think or imagine, God, and that you want to do more than we have ever thought and imagined in our lives, but it requires us to move forward. It requires us to surrender. It requires us to not look back, but to continue to go, go ahead, God. So we love you. We are grateful. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.